All right, I'm going to give a disclaimer again, real quick. All right? We're going to breeze through 20 plus chapters of Job today. Are you guys ready? Okay, all right, that's what I was expecting. So, um, <clears throat> Zach's taking a month, like, on a couple, you know, a couple chapters. We're going to breeze through 20 in one message. So, that being said, we're going to talk about a lot of things, all right? Hey, if you guys were here last week, you guys remember uh, Pastor Zach, he ended our message in Job, in Job uh, chapter 2, and he talked about these three friends with some crazy names, all right? If you remember, we got Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, all right? And so he ended our message last week, and really he focused on how these three friends, they came to where Job was at, and they sat down with him because of all that happened. Now, real quick, just so we get this, we have to just real quick recap on what happened in Job's life. So if you remember, a lot of things, right? He lost all of his land. He lost all of his uh, animals. He lost his houses, lost his barns. I mean, he lost his wealth. He lost his health, his terrible physical condition that's like indescribable. No doubt brought anxiety, <clears throat> brought stress, brought depression in his life. And so he goes and he sits and he covers himself in ashes, which is just another way in the Bible of saying he went to the city dump, right, where people that were sick and people that were just messed up and struggling, where they sat at. And, and he sits there in mourning, and his three friends, they do really what I would say is a great thing. And these three friends, they sit down with him while he's mourning. I mean, he's struggling with everything that's happening. He's in the darkest moment, the darkest part of his life, and his friends helped Job just by being there. <clears throat> I think we get this. We've all gone through times not as obviously severe as what Job had faced. But if you can think of something in your life that, you know, man, a difficult time, a struggling time. And just, man, just having a friend that shows up and that's going to sit down with you. And they may not have a lot to say, like Job's friends, but their presence speaks louder than their words. Just the fact that they're there sitting with you and just, man, they're there to, to, to do whatever, right? Just to be there speaks so much volume when you go through struggling and difficulties in life. That's exactly what Job's friends did. Now, that's how they started out at least, and we'll talk about how they, they get off track a little bit. Um, so we'll look at that today. But they sat there with him for seven full days, this is where we pick up in Job's life. And what we're going to cover this morning right away is Job's response to everything that's happened. So he has not spoken the book of Job yet until we come to Job chapter 3, verse 1 to 7, which we're going to read. Everything that's happened, just put yourself in his shoes. I mean, lost everything. And this is what he says to God and his friends. After this, after all that's happened, Job began to speak and cursed the day he was born. He said, may the day I was born perish, and the night they said, a boy is conceived. If only that day had turned to darkness, may God above not care about it, or light shine on it. May darkness and gloom reclaim it, and a cloud settle over it. May what darkens the day terrify it. Um, yeah. After everything that has happened in Job's life. Job, he finally like speaks up. He just like for the first time lays it all out to God and his friends. It's like he just gives it over to God. 
right? And he's, he's struggling with understanding why he's experiencing what he's experiencing. It's like he, he just doesn't get it. And he says, if you if you'd go back to that verse one or two there, he says he curses the day he was born. Now, real quick, if you guys remember from like the first, second week, he, he didn't listen to what his, his wife said. His wife told him to curse God and die. He didn't do that. Okay, he curses the day that he was born. He's just simply saying this, guys. He's saying, why, God, why am I even here? Like, I'm going through all this suffering. You've allowed it, God. I, I just don't understand why I'm here. Why do I have to face the suffering? I don't want to be here. I don't want to face this. God, why would you even let me be born? See, at this moment, Job, he's purely speaking out of emotions, just pouring out emotions from his heart. He's struggling with all that's happened. I think that we probably get this in struggling times and difficulties and, and tragedies that we face. Things that we say don't make logical sense or they don't align with really what we would normally believe or how we would normally respond. See, so yeah, I can go back to a few years ago, just a couple years ago, when uh, my family and I had moved here. And we went through a series of events, okay? Uh, just, just to name a couple of them, uh, we went on vacation, and uh, we came back, and it was actually Sunday. And I was at church, and I was doing some stuff, and, you know, taking care of some stuff at church. And my wife, Marissa, she called me, and she's like, AJ, you got to get home right now. And I'm like, okay, it's Sunday. This is kind of an important day for a pastor, right? And I'm like, so what's going on? She says, the basement is full of water, right? Not good. And uh, so luckily I had some family that helped me out, some family that's actually here today, and they helped me out, get it taken care of, right? And it was probably about a week after that, we had one of those crazy Ohio, like, rainstorms. We get, like, four inches in, like, 30 minutes, right? And it poured. And the exact same thing happened a week after that. I mean, water is coming the walls, of my basement. I mean, I'm stressing out. I got to take care of this now. Long story short, we got that taken care of. All right. Then it was just a few weeks after that, we had a septic issue and it really stunk. Okay. All right. That's about what I thought. Right. I had to throw a dad joke in there. All right. And we had to pay like a lot of money to get it taken care of. And then just like a couple weeks after that, uh, our hot water heater went out. And I remember at the end of that couple months and right with the hot water heater going out, I remember like just looking up to God and just asking like, God, what, what did AJ do to deserve this? Like, is there something that I did? Did I, did, I, did I tell like a whole bunch of lies and I didn't confess them? Did I, did I do something I wasn't supposed to? Like, God, what, what's going on here? Are you trying to get back at me because something I, you know, I didn't do, whatever, right? Now, my story is in nowhere comparison to Job, right? Not trying to make it in comparison with Job at all. See, Job, he faced so much suffering. He's just, again, he has this, this idea we're going to talk about today, man, is suffering that we go through in life and, and why we face that. You know, I think a lot of people, when we go through difficult things in life, and maybe some of you that are here, you face suffering, you face difficulty, you face tragedy. And maybe you believe what we're going to talk about this morning, and that's this, that suffering is always punishment. Just like I thought when my basement flooded and all those things happened, I was thinking, man, God, I messed up, and so this is, this is you punishing me. See, it's the idea that bad things equal bad results in life, or good things in, in life, they equal good results. And maybe you've, you've heard this before. 
Like, maybe somebody said it to you before. Hey, everything's good in your life, so, man, you must be living right. Now, before we move on, I have to say this. It is true, okay? The book of Proverbs actually talks about this. Proverbs 3.33, it says this, that the Lord's curse is on the household of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the righteous. You see, it's true, but it's not a promise in everything in life. Suffering is not always the result, the result of sin in your life. What we have to remember is that, man, suffering, it's, it's actually, it's part of life. Life about, without suffering, I mean, is, is impossible, Often God, he uses sufferings, suffering that we go through in life is in, in, in amazing, crazy different ways to reach and connect with people. And sometimes, just to be honest, there's no answer. Sometimes we don't know why God allows us to go through suffering. Um, often Zach or Blaine or, or Peyton will be in the office working and they'll like walk by me and they'll say my name and they'll have to say it like three or four times, okay? And it's, it's because they didn't know this until like the first week we were working together, I'm I have to tell them this, but I'm actually deaf in my left ear, all right? And uh, so I just want to say this real quick. If you've ever said my name and I've just kept walking by, just grab me, okay? Because I can't hear in this ear, all right? Uh, so I remember, though, that when, I, when I, I was struggling with this like 10 years ago, losing hearing in my left ear, and I went to the doctor and they diagnosed me with, you know, this certain thing. I can't tell you what the name it is now. Long story short, they just said, hey, you know, you're going to lose hearing permanently that ear. You'll never be able to get it back, right? And I remember, like, I was so bothered. I'm like, you know, I'm like 22 years old when this happened or whatever. I remember I was, like, so bothered, you know, upset. Man, just, it, it bothered me. It kept me up at night. So I, I did what, really, the only thing I knew to do was to call someone that I, I knew had the same issue at a young age. I lost hearing in an ear, and that was just a friend that I had. I mean, I, I cannot tell you, just, man, just telling him, just talking with him about that struggle, man, how much that helped me out. Like, it helped me out just in an amazing amount of way. You know, and I think that it's always easier to face something when we have someone who's experienced a similar situation. Like, they've gone through that same suffering and they've made it through. I mean, suffering is just, we, we go through it, man, we rely on other people and want that strength from them and just speaking a little bit more about suffering, we think about it, it's in the Bible. I mean, 1 Peter is a book that's really a book on suffering. Jesus, he promises suffering in life. And, and think about this. I mean, Jesus, he experienced suffering, right? Yeah, he experienced suffering when he died on the cross for our sins. Shed his blood and went through all that he did so we could have new life and we could have that new life abundantly in him. And the Bible says that God was glorified even in the death of Jesus because it brought life to us. Man, what an awesome thing. And I know it's a, it's a hard concept to grasp. So today as we dig in, we're going to look at Job's friends and how they respond to what Job has just said in Job chapter 3. See, after Job speaks, his friends, they feel the pull to offer some kind of advice. They just want to, and they just want to help their friend out. I mean, in, from good intentions, right? I mean, we don't want to see a friend struggle through life and that's, that's all that they want. They want to help him get better. They want to help him get from the ashes and from sitting in the dump to back to a normal life. And I think that and after last week, a lot of us, we'd say, man, they, they genuinely wanted to help their friend. I mean, Eliphaz, Bildad, Zophar, man, they genuinely want to help Job get better. And maybe Eliphaz, you know, he told Job, so like, man, Job, I remember that time when I was extremely sick, like almost to the point of death, and you came and you encouraged me. And there was such a help. Thank you. Or maybe Bill Dad came up to him and was like, hey, 
Man, Job, I remember that time when there was hail that came out of the sky and it destroyed all the crops that I had and you came to me and helped me just pick up the pieces and get back on track again and you encouraged me. We just want to help you, man. That's, that's all we want to do. But we're going to see today that seven days apparently was too long. And that's what they're thinking, like, Job, it's been seven days since, you know, you've been sitting here, you've been hanging out in the ashes, and you've been just kind of just sulking. But now, it's been seven days. And his friends, they start to do what, in all honesty, I would have done, and probably what most of us would have done, and they, seven days ago, but they, they start to think they can fix their friend's Problem. So they offer advice. Now, I want to say this real quick. I said at the beginning, we're going through like 20 plus chapters in the book of Job and this response of his friends. I, I don't have time to like go into every single verse, obviously, but I just want to say this real quick. Uh, if you, man, if you want to learn more about the story, I challenge you, man, your devotion this week, read Job 4 to 25. That's kind of where we're, we're going to be this morning, all right? Uh, but first friend, Eliphaz, he's the first friend to speak up. And that's what he says in Job 4, 7, 8. Consider who has perished when he was innocent. Where have the honest been destroyed? In my experience, those who plow injustice and those who sow trouble, notice this, they reap the same. All Eliphaz is saying by these verses is this. It's all he's saying. What sin have you committed, Job? Job, what is the sin that you, there, you've had to have done something wrong? I think this, this is something that like a lot of people believe in life and and really, many religions, they claim all over the world. It's uh, the basic premise or the basic belief of karma, right? What goes around comes around. And there are a lot of people that they believe that when we suffer, the only reason why you're suffering is because you had to have done something wrong. You had to have sinned. Sure, maybe suffering is a result of sin or bad choices, but that's not always the case. Eliphaz, he didn't understand that God allows suffering in life. And if God allowed it for Job, we face suffering and difficulties in life, we have to understand this, that God allows those, those times for you and for me as well. See, one of the key mistakes that Eliphaz made was that he interpreted Job's suffering in a situation through his own experiences. In verse 8, he says, according to what I've seen, like those who do wrong, Job, what I've noticed in my life and in my experience, those who do wrong get punished. Like God, he punishes them by giving them hardships of life because they messed up. And in three times, he would actually address this to Job in those three or four chapters that he talks to him. He would say things like, man, Job, in my opinion, I've seen this, or in my experience, I've seen this, or in my life, viewing somebody else's life and what they've gone through, man, they deserve punishment because of their sin. All, all he's saying to Job is, man, in my experience, God is punishing you because you've sinned. See, Job's response to Eliphaz is really pretty simple, and it's summary, just a quick summary of Job 6, 24, 29. He says this, Eliphaz, I've done nothing wrong. See, we have to remember again that Eliphaz is genuinely trying <clears throat> to help his friend out. And I know it doesn't like seem like that when we, we go over this. It seems like he's being super harsh, but he's just wanting his friend to get out of the state that he's in. He wants Job to be excited about life again. He wants him to, to go back to his house and start rebuilding his house and get more animals. He wants life to get back to normal again for his, his friend Job. 
And so he speaks really out of past experiences. See, the best thing to do a lot of times is just to be present like Eliphaz was the first seven days, right? And not to try to fix your friend right away because, you know, you think you can. But what does that second friend say? Look at Bildad. Does he say anything different? Job 8, 1 to, uh, Job 8, 1 to 6 says this. Then Bildad the Shuhite replied, How long will you go on saying these things? Your words are a blast of wind. Does God pervert justice? Does the Almighty pervert what is right? Since your children sinned against him, he gave them over to their rebellion. I just want to pause real quick. Anybody, can you, you guys see how harsh that is to say that to somebody? I mean, essentially saying that your kids have died because they sinned. I mean, extremely harsh. Verse 5, but if you earnestly seek God and ask the Almighty for mercy, if you are pure and upright, then he will move even now on your behalf and restore the home where your righteousness dwells. I'm sure that, man, I'm sure if this was the case, I'm sure if what Bildad said was how to take care of it, I'm sure that Job would have done this by now. I'm sure that he, he would have. Right, Bildad, he bases his belief off logical assumption. He's harsh, coming at Job with no compassion. Like he's just spitting facts out to him. Again, what he says about his kids, I mean, think about that. Again, he says, because your kids sinned, they died. Like, get over it, Job. It's just, it is what it is. And then he goes on and a couple verses later and says, you know, uh, you need to like live pure. You need to live right. You're not doing that, Job. You're not pure enough right before God. Suggesting that Job was not in a right relationship with God based off of everything that happened. You see, Bildad's intentions, his intentions were right. But his speech, man, it's way off. I mean, just coming at him with no compassion. Maybe you guys have a friend like me who's blunt. How many of you guys got like a blunt, a blunt, brash friend? Just, yeah, I've got, okay, a few of you guys, okay. Just you want the truth, you know who to go to, right? So I've got a friend that's like that in life. And recently I shared with him a, I'm just gonna say a, a large purchase, I made, okay? And I was kind of, you ever like made a purchase and you regret it like instantly? Yeah, okay, I know, we all have, right? So I was kind of, that was kind of the boat that I was in. And I remember I was talking to the phone uh, and I just like, man, Mike, uh, dude, I, I don't know if I should have bought this. I mean, I like it, but you know, I, a lot of money and I just don't know if it was the best choice. And, and I kind of went on with that for a couple minutes and I forgot that, you know, who I was talking to apparently. And he just like lays it out to me. He's like, AJ, you know, sounds to me like you should not have bought that. And he just, he went from that right to like talking about something else randomly. You know, he just lays out the facts with no compassion at all. And I did not want to hear that at that moment, all right? It irritated me. It bothered me, even though he was right. See, that's what Bildad was doing to Job. Just, he's just laying out what he thought was right with no compassion. He's just throwing it out. It's interesting what he says about Job, says that he's not pure, and you know, if he would have been pure and upright, then all this stuff would not have happened, but did he forget who he, who he was speaking to? I mean, this is, this is Job. I mean, we can go back to Job 1, uh, Job chapter 1, the first few verses, we can find out about Job, right? Job, the Bible says this, God says this about Job. He was a man of great reputation, integrity, one that feared God and that turned from evil. See, Bildad's heart, it was not sensitive and compassionate to his friend. Yes, it was, you know, maybe he had some, some things that he was sharing with him that was true, but 
responds, man, just with, again, harshness and being so blunt. One of probably the most popular verses in Job is, really, this is Job's response to what Bildad says in Job 19.25. And there's been songs been written on this. And it says this, but I know my Redeemer lives. You see, when Job, he responds to his friend Bildad with this. He's saying, hey, I know my Redeemer lives. He's using his own logic here. He's saying, this is essentially what Job's saying. If God is alive, and he is, man, then that means that God has got it under control, and he does. See, Job's faith, it transcends trouble in life, even when he doesn't understand the why behind it. He doesn't understand why he's faced with what he's going through. He expresses his faith in God, claiming that God lives. And regardless of the results of his suffering, and regardless of God fixes the problem, he simply chooses to trust God. Then we have the last friend to speak up out of the, the first group of three. And it's Zophar, all right? And he says this in Job 11, three to six. Should your babbling put others to silence so that you can keep on ridiculing with no one to humiliate you? You have said, my teaching is sound and I am pure in your sight. But if only God would speak and open his lips against you, he would show you the secrets of wisdom. For true wisdom has two sides. Know then that God has chosen to overlook some of your iniquity. Okay, real quick. And so far, just say this, right? He responds with, I'm going to say is this, is unrighteous anger, okay? And in all honesty, this is how most people respond in life. Get upset about something. Okay, I'm going to give you guys an example, all right? How many of you guys noticed all the construction on Perry Street, right? You guys notice that? All right, so last week, I'm coming to work, couple different days, and I almost get my bumper swiped off by somebody cutting in front of me right before, you know, the big turn arrow. I had a little bit of road rage, if I'm just going to be honest, okay? What is that? That's, un, that's an example of unrighteous anger. And that's how Zophar, and that's how he responds to Job. It's like, it's like he's been holding everything back, and he's, he's just he's listening to Bildad, and he's listening to Eliphaz to talk, you know, and, and lay it out to Job. Man, Job, you've, you've messed up. You've done something. Otherwise, you wouldn't be in the shoes that you're in right now. It's like he... It's like Zophar has been fuming inside. He's got it all bottled up. And then he just explodes or he vomits it out on Job. And he gives him an entire list of things that Job needs to do. He gives him a list of, of things like he says, hey, you need to refocus on God. Man, your, your focus is off. Like your focus is not on God like it should. He says you need to get that back where it needs to be. You need to, hey, in fact, you know, Job, you're probably not praying right, dude. Like, you need to get your prayer life back on track. Just, again, throwing these things at him. And actually, in chapter 11, Zophar, he would make multiple accusations, actually calling him worthless and a donkey. Great friend, right? I mean, even my friend that's truthful has never called me either one of those things, okay? I mean, what is, he, what is Zophar doing? He's just laying it out to him, again, with unrighteous Anger. You see, Zophar's words and his attitude really just agitates and agitates Job like salt in a wound. See, if there's a verse that summarizes these three friends, their, their thoughts on Job and what he said in chapter 3, it's this. Job 5.27, it says, he says, you know, they say this as a collective group. Man, we've talked and we've investigated, and it's true. You messed up, Job, and you're paying for it. Man, as, as friends, again, just think about that. They're thinking that suffering is always because 
of sin and the life of Job, and, and they think that with everything. But my question I would have for them if they were here would be this. What about the first, second, and third century church? I mean, th- just, just think about everything that they went through. Those, those Christians, those believers in the first, second, and third century, they went through so much. They were beaten. They were tortured in multiple different ways. They were thrown into coliseums in front of thousands and thousands of people, and they were ripped apart just to be laughed at. They were crucified. They were dipped in oil, and they were lit on fire and were placed like on a pole in Nero's gardens as a light at night so that way Nero could take people through on a carriage and show them his beautiful gardens while Christians were being burnt, literally used as, used as a light. All because why? All because they shared their faith with other people. And they told people that Jesus loved them. I mean, just think about that. So what, man, what would Job's friends say to them? I mean, these are our people, the first, second, third century church, and they're, they're living right, and they're doing what they're supposed to do, sharing the truth of God with the entire world, and they're facing suffering and even death and persecution. They're living right and suffering. See, Job's friends, they had something, they, they had it off here just believing that, again, suffering is always the result of sin. And they keep coming, I mean, they keep coming at Job with this accusation. I mean, those, all those 21 chapters or so, they continue to come at Job and come back at him, come back at him saying, you messed up, you did something wrong. That's, that's all they're saying in there. They're telling him to get it right. They'd go back and forth with Job, and Job responded to them and to God, and it would just would continue to go on and on, but they were failing to understand, again, that suffering is not always punishment from God. But again, we believe this. A lot of us, we believe this. And even a group of guys that traveled with Jesus, the disciples, the New Testament, they believe this. In John chapter 9, we see, or they, they talk a little, we, we hear a story about how, again, Jesus responds to really, you know, again, is suffering always from sin. Notice what it says. As he, talking about Jesus, was passing by, he saw a man that was blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Again, his disciples asked that question. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus answered. This came about so that God's work might be displayed in him. Think about this. These are the group of guys that they were with Jesus more than anyone I mean, they ate with Jesus, they did ministry with Jesus, they saw Jesus' miracles, and they even think that suffering in life is always connected to our sin. It's always a result of our sin in life. What did Jesus say? It's not true. It's, it's, not, I mean, it's not because someone sinned. It's not because his parents or his grandparents or because he sinned. Man, it's simply that God would work and him would be shown through him. Jesus, he would talk about it actually in Luke chapter 13. He would, uh, th- there's another time where a group, a crowd of people, they come to him and they ask him about uh, Pilate and how he had killed these people. And they ask him, what sin did they do? And we come back to this again. What does Jesus say? He says this, suffering is not always punishment from God. So we have to get that in the story of Job, that suffering is not always punishment from God. We have to get that in our life, that it's not always punishment from God. See, Job's friends, they were off and they limited God, again, thinking he allowed, man, he allowed suffering because of sin. They kind of, they get so frustrated with Job. 
right? They finally stopped talking to him, the first three friends. And then randomly, another one of Job's friends shows up at the city dump. Not really sure how, but Elihu, he shows up. And we're not going to read anything about Elihu. But I was going to say this. He was the youngest of all four friends. And Elihu just talks. And he just talks and he talks and he keeps talking some more. He, he just goes on and on and on. Actually, he would talk for six chapters straight. before, And Job actually never responded to Elihu. So for six chapters, you have Elihu just talking, talking, talking. And I want to say this. Elihu had some great things to say about God. He had some great things to say about Job's situation. But the problem is that it was buried in tons and tons and tons of other words. See, maybe, maybe you guys have that one friend that's an Elihu that likes to talk a lot, right? Likes to give advice a lot, all right? Or maybe you're that friend. I don't know, all right? But Job, again, he's, again, he's so frustrated and Elihu just keeps talking and talking and talking. Man, maybe an example or maybe a lesson we can learn from just even Elihu is this, is when we, when we don't know what to say and a friend is suffering and a friend is struggling, man, it's probably best if we don't say anything at all. If we stay quiet, right? Keep it in. We don't know what to say. Man, pray and wait. And if you don't know what to say, pray and wait. And when you don't know what to say, pray and wait on God. So after the dozens of chapters of conversations that his friends have had with him, Something starts to happen to Job, an upright, godly man. And there's like a, like a switch that flips, right? And he, he starts to kind of let, let what his friends are saying wear him down and, and, and get inside of his head. And so I just want you to notice the progression and really the progression down. Job 9, Job says, man, how could I ever argue with God? And how could I instruct the defense against him? But well, then notice just a few chapters later, Job 13. I desire to speak to the Almighty and to notice this. Are you my case with God? He's saying, God, like enough is enough. God, my, my animals are dead. My, my wealth is gone. My land is gone. Like my kids have just died. I've got this terrible disease. I'm sitting in a, in a really a trash dump. I'm carving at my flesh just to get a little bit of relief. It, it, I'm struggling in life and I'm going through so much right now. I want to argue my case. I just want to lay it out before you. God, I want to give you my side of things. I've prepared a case and I'm ready to go to court with you. It's like he wants to take God to court. He wants to have a trial case with God and weigh out what's going on. I mean, that's pretty bold words for a man that back in Job Chapter one was fearing God, right? I mean, something's changed. He actually, before he even goes on trial with God, in Job 31, he lays out his case to God. He says, God, I'm not an adulterer. Like, I don't do that. Like, that's not part of my life. God, I've, I've lived a right life. I've, I've generally been good. And, you know, I've, I've never mistreated any of my servants when you had them or when I had them. I have never lusted after another woman. Like, I've not trusted in my wealth to save me. I've not worshipped anything else besides you and you alone. God, you know that. I've helped feed and clothe the poor. I've helped feed and clothe the needy. I've helped feed and clothe and take care of widows that I knew. God, I've done all this. He says in Verse 22 of chapter 31, he says, God, if I have messed up, God, if I've done anything wrong, he says, I give you permission to hurt me. And Job, he just, again, 
doesn't understand why God would allow all that's happened to him and losing everything, losing all that he had is everything. After being, all this has happened and being railed on and being railed on and being railed on by his friends, Job 31, 35, he says this, if only I had someone to hear my case, here's my signature. Notice he says, let the Almighty answer me, let my opponent compose his indictment. He's, all that he's doing is this. He's not just asking or arguing for a case. He's now demanding, saying, God, I am demanding that we go to court. I'm demanding that we go on trial because I want to hear why you're putting me through what you're putting me through. Everything's happened, and I am ready at this very moment to give my defense. I feel like I've got a pretty good case. I feel like you've kind of done me wrong on some stuff, and so I'm ready to have that conversation with you. I think this is something that we've all heard or maybe even that we agree with Job about. I know in counseling and talking to people, I've heard people say this, I just can't follow a God that allows so much suffering, AJ. Like I, I, can't, I can't follow a God that would do that. And we don't understand why things happen in life and why they're difficult. And we genuinely feel that, man, we don't deserve what we've gone through in life. And we have a hard time grasping how a loving God can really allow this to happen to us. This is exactly where Job is. And he just, he just, wants an answer. Have to understand sometimes that God's will for us is to face things we don't really know the answer to. We don't know the why. We have to understand this today, that suffering is not always a result of something we did. Maybe the result of just God wanting us to connect our life with other people. We don't know. But an epic scene is happening very close to this in Job 38 verse 1. We come down to this epic scene. The Bible says this, Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind, and he said, Job, think about this, he's sitting in the city dump, right? He's questioning God. God is finally showing up in a tornado right to Job's feet, right to the very place where Job is at, and he's going to talk with him about why he's faced what he's faced. He's going to give the answer, going to talk about it. He's going to know. You're going to have to come back next week to find out what he says. Let's pray. God, thank you, Lord, for just allowing us again to, to go to the book of Job for encouragement, for strength, and a help in a time when we're suffering. And God, we didn't get to the answer today, but God, that's for Pastor Zach next week. is going to give that to us and what your word has to say. But God, if we learned anything today, it's this, God, we learned, man, we go, through, we go through suffering in life, God. It's not always because sin. God, there's reasons you allow us to go through suffering that we may never understand. And God, we have to simply trust you. Even when we don't have the answer. God, Job's friends, they tried to give an answer. God, help us not to be like that. God, help us not to, to be like Eliphaz and to again, respond just, again, off past experiences or to be like Bildad and respond really just off logic or to be like Zophar, just to be upset when a friend is struggling. We want them out so much that we're just trying to tell them and feed them good things. But God, that's not always what you want for us to do when a friend is suffering or when, our, when we are suffering. God, we thank you, Lord, for the day you've given to us. Help us, God, to, again, just learn again from uh, our lesson this morning, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.